that's Pastor Vaco. So if you didn't know, Pastor Vaco is assuming some new roles and some new oversight with us pastorally. And one of the areas um, that he's just taken over is to oversee our media team. Wow, that's kind of a big job. So thank you, Pastor Vaco, for taking that over. We're looking forward to all that God does through you and the team. And let me just take a second to say thank you to everyone who's already been serving tonight from our wonderful uh, time of musical worship. Of course, you had Tom here on the guitar and Yael and then Melissa, Ray, and Brigitte singing and Andrew and Roman and Gabi. Um, of course, in the back, you have Tyro uh, uh, with his team, the cameramen, Kenton and and Ilan and, uh, and Josh and other people. Thank you, First Encounters team as well. I'm just letting you get to know their names. It's part of being a community. You need to know people's names, right? Not just the, not just the people that get up here and preach, but we want you to know everybody. And thank you, Irene and, and, and Vivian and Keturah and, uh, and Abby and all of those serving on the First Encounters team today. And Paul, wonderful job. You know, Paul and Kristen are doing such a great job ministering the word, and we bless you guys at Elahimelech and all that the Lord is pouring out on your campus, a part of the King of Kings family. I also bring you greetings today from King of Kings Herzliya. I was there yesterday. Uh, I had a chance to preach on that campus, and uh, Daniel and Jaylene and Matt and Daniela are doing such an amazing job. It is a fun place to worship if you're up in that area on Shabbat morning, so thank you for that. Let me also just say thank you to everybody who participated in and helped us lead the 21 days of prayer. Now we've come to the conclusion of that specific 21 days, but do you know that that doesn't mean you can't pray? I just wanted to be clear, you can pray, even though we're past the 21 days, so thank you. Uh, Anne and your team that led in the summit and on Wednesdays and all of you that helped with the recordings and you plugged in. So thank you guys. We are a community. We do this together. We're not the same if we don't all participate. We are not up here to do a show. So remember that and jump in with us. Help us to serve one another and edify the body together. Let me welcome everybody in the house. You look lovely. It's a good crowd here tonight. Praise the Lord. You know, it's good news. We hear that these regulations are just about to be rolled back. Praise the Lord. We're almost there. We're hearing rumors that get, get done with this thing and move along. We're like passes and masks and whatever else is, is, uh, is consuming our mind and our news and our media and our, you know, our pressures. Can't wait to just get everyone back as they feel comfortable Come back in the house. And welcome everybody watching online tonight, Kings Community Live. We're on King, uh, King of Kings Facebook page, but the KKCJ Facebook page might still be down, I was told. But we welcome you on YouTube and all the other platforms tonight. It is a great night. Turn in your Bibles or your devices. Luke chapter 9 is where we want to begin tonight. Luke chapter 9. We're going to continue in the perspective series Pray for my wife. She, she, don't judge me for this. She tested positive for COVID yesterday. Yeah, I know. And I was like, hey, the regulations are leaving. Good timing, right? But she's, she's doing good. Sweetie, I love you. Thank you for holding down the fort so I could be here tonight. You know, when I had COVID a couple weeks ago, I had a couple of tough days and she was like taking care of everything. And when she got the positive test yesterday, she was like, are you going to stay home and hold down everything? 
I was like, we'll see how you feel in the morning. But praise God, I had a feeling that she was going to get it much milder. And so she said today, I feel great. Go on to the service. I bless it. Tell everybody I love them. Uh, she just had a little sinus sniffle and a, and a headache today. So we're praying for her and anyone else who is still uh, battling through uh, corona today. Hallelujah. We're in our perspective series. What we want to do is we want to look at the word of God. We want to then look at the different perspective points that the people in the story are having, and then we ourselves want to see if the writers of the New Covenant or the different authors who saw this particular story, if they had a different perspective, and then we want to look at the perspective on our lives and how we might interact differently or similarly to the writings. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 through 6. Let me use that as our opening text. We're going to be in both Luke 9 and Luke 10 tonight. Those will be the two main texts. Let's begin the reading. When Yeshua had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, Leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And so they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. You see, Yeshua, when he sends out the 12, he gives them power and authority over sickness, over demons, over situations. He sent them out to proclaim very clearly the message of the kingdom of God. It was the kingdom message he wanted he didn't want them to get distracted with the power because the power was opening the door so that people could hear and see the impact of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. The message was the message of the kingdom and the message that the kingdom of God had now come and it was in front of everybody. He told them to go around and heal the sick and then he gave them some very interesting instructions. Take nothing else with you. Take no bread, and he says, take no extra shirt, no bag, no staff. Keep it simple. Go into a house and then stay at that house. Don't jump around from place to place. If you're rejected, then knock the dust off the feet of this town and move on. You go where you're celebrated. That was a great lesson I learned from Pastor Wayne. We were talking about how to connect with people and, and as the network of King of Kings was growing and as we were venturing into some new territories, it's always interesting to try to figure out what the Holy Spirit's doing and what is he saying. And Pastor Wayne uh, taught me a great lesson one time. He said, listen, the Holy Spirit opens doors. He opens the water. You'll know where to go. And, and, and many times you can know where to go by going where you're celebrated. And that's really the message of Yeshua here. Go bring the gospel, sow the seed, and if it's not celebrated, knock the dust off your feet and move on. There's a lot of people that need to hear the gospel. It's not that we don't have a heart for them. We do. But the soil's not ready just yet. And we go where we're celebrated. Now, this is Luke's account. I just read you, <clears throat> excuse me, from Luke 9. I want to see if Matthew adds anything. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 and 6, turn there. Matthew 
Let's see if Matthew adds anything. He says, these 12 Yeshua sent out with the following instructions. Do not go to the Gentiles or to any town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. So when they're being sent out, he gives them the message, he gives them boundaries, and then he tells them the focal point, who the audience is. The audience first is to the lost sheep of Israel, to the house of Israel. So it gave him a little bit of definition. He goes on in Matthew chapter 10 to add one more piece. He said, go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, so freely give. You see, that's a little addition. That's a perspective that Matthew had that maybe Luke didn't see it. He probably heard it, but it didn't stick in his spirit the same as it did to Matthew. Matthew really wanted to convey you were freely given salvation. Make sure you give it freely away. You didn't do anything to earn it, so make sure you preach it that way, that there's nothing in our actions that can gain righteousness. It was a free gift. That stuck out to Matthew. It was a different perspective. In one sense, it connects with our sermon from last week. We were talking about Yeshua breaking down the final barriers. It wasn't just that the gospel could come to men, but later we know that it came to women, then it came to the old and to the young, and then it came to the Samaritans, and then it came to the Romans and the Greeks, and and then it came to the religious and the educated, the non-educated, the non-religious, and all barriers were being broken down until finally it was made very clear in the book of Acts, the kingdom of God is for the Gentiles also. Now there's no barriers. And I think that's what Matthew is trying to convey. Freely you have received freely give. There's no barriers to the gospel message. So Yeshua sends out these 12. He gives them instructions. He, he delegates power and authority to heal and to deliver and to bring the kingdom of God message. Now, after he sent them, of course, they came back with some great reports. We want to be part of that. We want to go out like Yeshua sent us, and we want to come back with great reports. And it happens. There's been healings this week. There have been breakthroughs. There's been good counsel given that produced good fruit. There's been new revelation given. We come back with good reports like they did. The 12 came back with the good fruit and they said, you won't believe what happened exactly like you said. We healed the sick. We cast out demons. We healed the leper. We preached the kingdom message. And they went on to do other miracles and Right after they came back from this, this commissioning, Yeshua does a, a series of other miracles. It's right after this that he feeds the 5,000. It's right after this that he casts out more demons and that he begins to predict his own death twice in the chapter. He says, I'm going to die for the world. And then, as was read today, the transfiguration happens. So after the 12 are sent out and come back with good fruit, there's a series of these miracles, and now we find ourselves in Luke chapter 10. So turn forward one chapter, Luke chapter 10, verse 1, and I want to do a little compare and contrast. Yeshua is now teaching that to follow him is a high price. It's going to cost you everything. It's a free gift. 
That's what Matthew said. It's a free gift that costs you everything. You have to remember that. There's nothing you can do to earn it, but your whole life has to be devoted to the Lord. And it was upon that teaching that we get these next verses, Luke chapter 10, verse 1. And after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So these are 72 followers that are in addition to the original 12 disciples. So now we have 84 people in all that have been sent out with the power and authority of the Lord. But it's interesting to note that these 72 are different than the original 12. And you might say, I wonder why Yeshua had to send out different people. The 12 came back with great reports. Why did he need to send out more? Why couldn't he just send out that 12 again? After all, they had the breakthroughs. But the answer is right there in the text. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He was saying we have to increase the number of people that are being empowered and sent out. It's not that the 12 did anything wrong. They did great. But the harvest is too big for the 12. There needs to be more of us. And Yeshua then commissions the next 72. And of course, this pattern would continue of Yeshua commissioning people to go out under his authority to be ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven that was now on earth. Yeshua needed and wanted more people to represent his kingdom, to share the message of salvation because he knew that his time on earth was drawing to a close. It was a very brief amount of ministry time. And he didn't want to leave with just the 12 having experienced this. He wanted to expand those. So on the one hand, you have a disappointing feeling in Acts chapter 2 when the day of Shavuot comes and there's only 120 faithful gathered in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. But the good news was that was like an increase. We started with 12 that were sent out. Then we get 72 sent out. Praise God, we have at least 120. Now, there were more believers than just 120, but 120 faithful, dedicated to the word of God. They would do what he asked them to do, and they would be commissioned and sent out. You see, friends, one of the points we want to draw from this is that the goal of our walk with the Lord is not to get stuck in a series, in a cycle of self-help scenarios. You say, Pastor Chad, wait, let's just back up for one minute. You talk a lot about character development and really looking to be a person of integrity. Absolutely. The Lord wants us to grow in depth, in intimacy, in our character, in our obedience, and in our integrity. He wants all of that. He wants us healed. He wants us set free. He wants us delivered, but that's not all he wants. He wants that person who he has now transformed us to be, to not get stuck in a cycle of self-help only, but to be sent out and bring that good news to everyone else. 
mean, that's the message of the 12 and the 72, right? They could have just sat at Yeshua's feet day after day and just received and received revelation, outpouring, anointing. They could have just kept receiving it, but that wasn't his heart. His heart is that I transformed you for a reason. I empowered you for a reason. I delegated authority and giftings to you for a reason that you would take this and go out and share it with the millions and millions who have never met me. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we should certainly continue to pursue being transformed into the image of the Messiah, absolutely. And we, we need to continue to live out this freedom that the good news provides, but the good news is for others also. We, we must be careful that in today's world we, we don't fall into that that cycle where that's all we do is we only care about self. Let me give you the key phrase of the night. We have to be careful that we do not ex- get exclusively consumed in self-help, that we forget to share the good news of Yeshua with others. Notice I use the word exclusive there because there is to some measure the appropriate amount of time and space that we need to look introspectively and let the Holy Spirit do work on our heart, absolutely, just not exclusively. We have to remember that we are being commissioned to go out, to preach the gospel, make disciples, and teach the truth. And you can't do any of that alone. That involves being around other people, sending out the 12, sending out the 72, later commissioning the 120, later commissioning through the great commission of Matthew 28, the 12 all over again. The harvest is plentiful, but it's the laborers he doesn't have that many of. Now notice this, when Yeshua commissions the 72, Luke records that he adds a phrase that he did not quote when he sent out the 12. So the bigger crowd has this quote that the 12 didn't have. And the quote is, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now I don't wanna make too much of a a deal that, that Luke put it to the 72 and not the 12 because later Matthew says it to the 12 and not the 72. So they've got their bases covered. Whoever did it and whenever they did it, that's what they said and they said it to all the groups, right? If Luke forgot about it, Matthew covered it. And if Matthew forgot about it, Luke covered it. So what did we learn? To the 12 and to the 72, he said, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves in one translation. And in the other translation, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. You say, oh my goodness, that's one of those discrepancies of the Bible. No, I think the the message is pretty clear. From multiple eyewitnesses, he was commissioning the groups of his followers to go out and share the gospel, and he was telling them this is going to be a tough road. You need to act with innocence, but the people you're going to speak with are like wolves. Whether he used lamb, whether he used sheep, whether it was the 12 or the 72, I think the Bible is pretty consistent of what the message was. In Matthew 10, the perspective is, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves instead of lambs. And then he goes on to say, so be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. So he's telling you how to respond. Be smart, be wise, but be innocent. So probably both groups heard this and both groups understood that it was going to be a tough road ahead of them. 
Now, it's interesting because throughout these two commissionings, 12 and 72, you've heard some statements that were very positive. Go out. I'm giving you power and authority, and you're going to heal the sick. You're going to heal the leper. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to raise the dead. That's a power impartation. It is a positive message. They were pumped up. They were ready to go. But at the same time, in both speeches, in both commissions, there's this slightly cautious statement that's added. A statement like, stay in one house, and if they don't receive you, knock the dust off your feet and move on. That's a cautious statement. That's a, hey guys, there's going to be some places you're celebrated. It's going to go really well. It's going to be revival in the city. It's going to be great. There's other times it's not going to go as easily. They're not going to hear your word. They're not going to want you to stay in town. Knock the dust off your feet and move on. Not, not as positive sounding as, as some of the other statements. Or how about this statement? Guys, I'm sending you out with power and authority, and you're going to be victorious. You're going to do miracles. By the way, you're going to be like lambs in the, in the pen of the wolves. So be careful. It's going to be like sheep that are being attacked by wolves. Wait, you're sure? Quick, quick question. When you say that, Attacked by wolves, um, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, it's, you know, it's, I'm giving you power and authority, so have confidence it's going to work out, but I'm giving you a backup plan. If, it, if they don't celebrate you, knock the dust off your feet, move on, get out of there. Some people may attack you. It's going to feel like they're, they're eating at you. They're accusing you. They're going to, maybe there's some persecution. Oh, wait, you know, second question, Yeshua, follow-up question. This persecution idea. You always talk about this. Yeshua probably said, right. Because they did it to me, they're going to do it to you. When I send you out, you must anticipate a war. You must go with the anticipation that it's not always going to be easy. You're not always going to be the most famous person in town with this message. Because remember what the message is. The kingdom of heaven has come, but in order to enter that kingdom, you must admit that you are a sinner. And our world does not want to admit that they're sinners. Sheep among wolves, it's part of the deal. A lamb among wolves, with the possibility of being attacked, that's part of the deal. We always tell you that to get you ready because I want your foundation in the gospel to be firm. I don't want it to be wishy-washy. I don't want you to hear the gospel that says, hey, when you give your heart to Yeshua, it's really easy from that point on. Everything just kind of falls in your lap after that. That's just easy life. Marriage, easy. Children, so easy. Jobs, money, woo! You say yes to Yeshua, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's like you have the, the kind of problems you have are like, uh, man, I, I don't mean to complain, but the safe that I've been putting my money in isn't big enough anymore. I said yes to Yeshua, I had to, you know, had to get a bigger garage for my boat. It's not the gospel I want you to hear. I want you to hear the real gospel. You say, yes to Yeshua, here's your sword. Here's your armor. 
It's going to be like lambs among wolves, so get ready. So that when it happens to you, you're not scared by it. You're not intimidated by it. You're not surprised by it. You know how to react. You react as innocent as a dove, but be wise. And if you're not being celebrated, knock the dust off your feet. Let's move on. The harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of people who need to hear the gospel. And I want us to be prepared, King of Kings family. Be prepared for the age we're about to move into. I told the team before service when we were praying together and going over our our plan for today, it is wonderful to have everybody watching online. But you have to anticipate there's a day coming they take you offline. They've done it to politicians and people in much greater places of power than us. Censorship is real. Canceling your account is real. There is nothing that can substitute being in the house of God with God's people. As good as technology is, and we love it, there will become a day that they will not let us do it. And this is your family. You better get to know this family. But those tough days are coming. And I think that's what Yeshua is telling us. You work together as a team. You're sent out two by two. I'm empowering you, but you will probably face some resistance, so be ready for it. So the question that we pose today is a very relevant question for this day and this age. This is a generation that has had to face some hard questions about social justice. How to be involved. How much to be involved. What is the right level to be involved and what should we say, what should we not say? How do you balance all of the word of God that talks about living peacefully among men and yet going into town with a message of the kingdom that's about to rock the boat of everybody in that town? It's it's not easy. We're not saying it's easy. But what you do have is you have a gift from heaven called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to you for a reason, to guide you in all things, to remind you of everything you've studied, to give you the words to say at just the right time so that you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Just listen to him today. And I want to share with you five thoughts of how to be involved, when to be involved, and they will vary from person to person, so please be flexible about this and listen to the Holy Spirit in your own life. The first is this. How do we influence the culture around us? We let the gospel do the transformation. We just preach the gospel, and the gospel does it. Whether it's revival, or breakthrough, or renewal, a wave of people getting saved and they change their own life because now they're in the word and and they're starting to transform from the inside. We let the gospel transform the culture. All of us want that to be the scenario. And to some extent it is. And that's really where Yeshua was at the point where he was sending the 12 and the 72 out, right? He was saying, bring them the gospel of the kingdom and let the gospel transform the culture. So that's one step we can take. Another step we can take is to be a blessing and to seek to bring kingdom values to the world around us. Even the world of government, even if it's corrupt, how do we help 
Well, we can be involved in government. We can be involved in social platforms. There's biblical precedent for this, whether it's Joseph being involved in the government of Egypt, helping bring kingdom values, whether it's Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, whether it's Esther or Mordecai or the prophets, they were involved in government affairs in order to help bring kingdom values to be a wider blessing to the country where they found themselves. So maybe one step is let the gospel alone do the transformation. There's a time for that. But then there's a later time where maybe the Lord is calling us to be involved. If you're in a democratic republic voting country, be involved in voting. At least your kingdom voice can be heard. And let the Holy Spirit lead you on how much you need to be involved with your schools, your neighborhoods, government affairs. All those things are ways we can be a blessing in a positive way, and there's a biblical precedent. Number three, then there comes a time where no matter how much we preach the gospel and no matter how much we want to influence the culture by helping from the inside, that it's become so corrupt that we simply have to reject the culture that we live in. You're seeing kind of a little bit of that already, right? We want the gospel to transform everybody, but when it, corruption just keeps rising, we try to step in and help from the inside, and then even that is rejected, and at some point we say, all right, for the sake of my family, my wife, my kids, my community, I can't be a part of what you're doing anymore. I remember my, my wife tells a story of when she was a child, and her father and mother had four kids, and they try to keep pretty tight boundaries on, on purity in the house and, 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 and they're, you know, just TV was going in a direction and movies was going in a direction and it's so much further now than it was when my, my wife was a child and, and, and their parents had been warning them. They're like, oh, we don't like this direction, guys. There, they, there will come a time where we cannot participate anymore. And my wife remembers the day she remembers the show they were watching. She remembers the scene that came on when dad stood up and said, that's it. Turned the TV off, got rid of it. They never had another one. Because that literally is a step in the process. It's the third step in the process. We can no longer participate in this culture. We, we have to knock the dust off of our feet. We tried but now we knock the dust of our, our feet and we move on to where we're celebrated. We cannot be part of this culture. It's happening now. I, I had to pull my kids out of Israeli school for this reason, what they were teaching. I don't wanna have to bring my kids home every day and undo eight hours of unholy teaching. Putting limits on TV and movie and screen time and, and internet and all the things that you have to do, social media and the friends they can be around and can't be around and where they can go and can't go, all of that is part of being a parent. It's part of being a pastor. It's part of unplugging when you feel the Holy Spirit saying, now's the time. You can't be part of this anymore. And it's a biblical precedent. John the Baptist did it. There was a point where John just couldn't be part of the corrupt system anymore. He just couldn't be part of the temple 
corruption and the, what they'd done in the marketplace and turned the temple into a marketplace, taking advantage of worshipers and having two high priests that neither one of them was from the high priest family. And, and John said, I can't. I, I, tried, I tried from the inside. I, I preached and, 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 and I tried to help people and, and I got to know the, the government officials, but I had to leave. There was a time where he just had to disengage from that corruption. And then he began to preach in the desert. And as you know, he had good fruit. But he had to change the paradigm. He couldn't be part of it. He had to reject the corruption of the culture. Daniel certainly did it as well. There were laws that Daniel couldn't obey. Jeremiah, Isaiah, they all went through this. There were laws they just couldn't obey anymore because they violated biblical precedent. They couldn't be part of that. They had to reject it. They did it peacefully, though. Step number three is a peaceful rejection. And it's different than step number four. Because step number four is the resistance of culture, not just the rejection of it. Now you are actively resisting the culture, the government, the ways and the change in morality. You're resisting it with force. It's not enough to just back up and be peaceful. They're coming at you. They are attacking you like what? Like wolves. There's a reason that's in there. They're not just leaving you alone to be peaceful on your own. You understand, you felt it already. They come after you. When I tried to take my kids out of Israeli school, they came after me. They didn't just let me have a peaceful life and do what I want. The government literally said to us, what gives you the right as parents. And I said, what gives you the right as a not a parent to tell me what to ever do with my kids? Wolves. And there's a time where you reject peacefully, you do, you do what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, and then there's another time, step four, where you have to resist by force. Joshua, Caleb, Gideon, Samson, the Maccabees. They had to be in the world, but not of the world. They had to resist the wolves. They had to fight back to a certain measure. The disciples thought Yeshua was gonna do this, by the way, and the time wasn't right. When will you set up your kingdom? Is it now? No, not now. Now I'm coming to die. I'm not coming to fight. I'll come to fight later. There will be a time where I come back on the white horse. Remember that one? I'll come back, we'll fight. There will be a time for this. But right now is not the time. And that's why we listen to the Holy Spirit. Where are we prophetically in these stages and the progression of how we're involved in impacting culture? Hopefully we're at the point of step number one of preach the gospel and let the gospel transform culture. But I think you're all smart enough to realize that that linear progression is now moving. It's starting to move. We have to be wise. Until finally, you find yourself at the fifth stage. You have to disengage altogether. Unfortunately, that day will come. It's been prophesied of Luke chapter 21. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out and let those in the country not enter the city. There is a point down the road where full disengagement is the right step. We're not there yet. 
but it's coming. You say, what are the biblical examples? You've given us biblical examples of all of these first four, but what about step number five? Because that's a very drastic step. Well, I will remind you about Noah, and he had to leave the society to go build the ark. I will remind you of Lot, who had to come out of Sodom and Gomorrah. God was finished with Sodom and Gomorrah, and he pulled Lot out. I will remind you of the Israelites in Egypt. They were done being slaves, and God pulled his people out. And we've already mentioned John, the immerser. Now we're somewhere in this timeline and each family will go through a period of waiting on the Holy Spirit to know where you are. I hope we stay in level one as much and as long as we can. But the Bible predicts that we won't stay there. We will move down this linear progression in the end of the age. And just be ready for it and listen to how the Holy Spirit leads us. Because all along the way, we're called to preach the gospel, make disciples, teach the truth. We're called to be innocent as doves, but wise as serpents. But we have to understand it's like being sheep among wolves. It's not going to be easy. We entered a war. Lot stayed in Sodom as long as he could. He was pulled out. God wanted to have mercy, but you know what? God had foreseen that no one else was coming. You say, how did God know when to shut the door of the ark? Because no one else was coming. How did God know when to pull Lot out? No one else was coming. We hope we don't see that day. But it looks like the armies of God and heaven are stationing themselves against the armies of the evil one. And at some point, friends, there is a last battle of this age and there's no one else crossing that line. And it's time to fight. So when we're teaching you the gospel foundations, we're doing it with all of this in mind. We don't want you to go home and just think this is gonna be easy. It's not gonna be easy. It's the best decision you will ever make. But it's not gonna be easy. 2 Corinthians 6 Worship team, you can make your way up. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. Of course, that's a quote from Isaiah 52 and Ezekiel 20 that says, I will bring you from the nations and gather you from the countries where you have been scattered with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with outpoured wrath. Let's just look at the perspectives as we close. The perspective of the first 12 that were commissioned, they had turned from students into teachers. They had changed from followers into leaders in a very short amount of time. Can you imagine that one morning you're sitting at Yeshua's feet and you're listening and you're overwhelmed with all of the amazing miracles he's doing and the next morning he says, hey, did you like that? You're gonna do it today. Today you've turned into the teacher and the leader and the one carrying authority. Now go out and share my message with others. Major paradigm shift in the eyes of the 12 about who they saw themselves. Their, the perspective of themselves had to change. God trusted them, even if they didn't trust themselves yet. 
But the 12 also had to embrace something else. They had to gain a new perspective that the harvest was plentiful and the 12 of them, wasn't, they weren't gonna be able to cover all the fields. So they had to be open and humble for the next 72 to be commissioned along with them. They had to be welcoming to the team as it grew. The 72, of course, they had to embrace the calling of spreading the gospel and carrying this authority also. They were now called co-laborers. They had watched the 12 do it, thinking, man, those guys are superstars. And the next day, Yeshua said, it's your turn. Be a co-laborer with me. And I don't know if you're catching the language here, but labor, that's a hard-working word. When you're a co-laborer, it emphasizes work. You're going to work with God for God under the power of the Holy Spirit. And the 72 had to, had to glean this perspective. Today, I hope we get that same perspective. We're co-laborers. We're not called to be exclusively self-absorbed and self-involved and self-centered and always looking at self-help manuals on an exclusive level until we are nothing but a pillar of perfection. But rather... On the journey of transformation, let us not forget we're called to go out and share God's message with others. Growth, maturity, and character development is very important, but not at the exclusivity of sharing the gospel with others. We pray tonight that you listen to the Holy Spirit. What part of the journey are we on? Where are we in the linear progression of concern? We're entering an age, and I just want you to be aware of it, because if you as soldiers are aware of the battleground you're fighting on, and you're aware of the enemy's tactics, you will be much more prepared for victory, rather than to lie to you and to tell you it's all going to be easy just so you like coming on Sundays. We're not here to impress you on Sundays. We're here to help you on Mondays. Please remember that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the goodness of your word, that it's real, that it's tangible, that it's earthy, that it can be trusted, that it comes with teeth. Would you commission us again today? We want to be transformed, and we receive the Holy Spirit's touch to be transformed, to be changed, to be forgiven, to walk clean, afresh, and anew but not at the exclusivity of forgetting about people who have never heard about Yeshua. Let us not get caught in that loop of only thinking about self, but to love others enough to bring them into the goodness of the kingdom. Father, prepare us today. We thank you for the sword. We thank you for the armor. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the authority given to us to be heirs with the Messiah, co-heirs with Yeshua, laborers and co-laborers, ambassadors of the kingdom, more than conquerors. That means there's something to conquer. But also we have to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. We are like lamb and sheep presenting before wolves. Much like Isaiah prophesied about Yeshua. 
that he was a lamb led to slaughter for his sacrifice. Give us the grace we need today, the courage to walk this out because we cannot do it on our own. We need you and we need one another. Empower us today. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for listening to that word. I know that was, that was a deeper one. That was a tougher one. That's a call to war. I want to let you know that today we started something new. With Pastor Derek's help, we have, we're now being able to translate live today's service and sermon live into Chinese around the world. That, my friends, is a big harvest field. Thank you, Pastor Derek, and all of your work with our team, Tyro and others. So from this point moving forward, every Sunday when we welcome everybody watching online and we say all of the different platforms, you'll hear us now introduce welcome to our, our Chinese audience around the world as well. Thousands upon thousands are now watching live as well, okay? We welcome them and pray for them as well. Let's worship the Lord and let this sink in.